You see, sometimes people's own family or their own friends will testify against them. Isn't it? Or sometimes their own personal emails, their documents, their transactions will be used as proof against them. Their own words that they have said will be used against them. Isn't that so embarrassing? That he is guilty, he's clearly guilty. That his family is speaking against him. His personal transactions, his emails show that he is guilty of this. Imagine on the day of judgment, our own body will not be loyal to us. When you're doing sin, when you're disobeying Allah, remember no one's your friend, really, no one. Because even shaitan who has insisted that we do something wrong, even shaitan is going to abandon his friends on the day of judgment. Now a very important lesson is taught. لا تحرك به لسانك The Prophet ﷺ is told, do not move, لا تحرك, do not move, bihi with it, meaning the Qur'an, as you're listening to it, don't move at that time, lisanaka, your tongue. Meaning when you're listening to the Qur'an, when Jibreel is reciting the Qur'an to you, conveying it to you, at that time, do not move your tongue. And why would the Prophet ﷺ move his tongue? لِتَعْجَلَبِهِ In order to hasten it, in order to rush it. Rush, meaning to quickly recite it, so that he would not forget. We all know that the Qur'an was conveyed to the Prophet ﷺ in parts, right? And Jibreel would bring the Qur'an to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ could not read or write. So it was not brought in a written form. How was it transmitted? Orally. So Jibreel would recite it to him. Now, Ibn Abbas ﷺ, he said that when the Qur'an was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ, this was towards the beginning, he would start repeating the words of wahi rapidly as Jibreel was reciting. So Jibreel is still reciting and the Prophet ﷺ would also start repeating and very fast. Why would he do that? Out of fear that he might forget some part of it. Now there's something very natural. When you know that you can't write something down and you know that you don't have any access to that information, the only way you can retain it is by keeping it in your memory. But then you're listening to it, right? It's entered your short-term memory. What do you have to do? Rehearse. Right? As you rehearse, then what happens? It enters your long-term memory. So the Prophet ﷺ, he would be afraid that he would forget the Qur'an. So he would start repeating. But the thing is that when you start repeating, you're basically panicking. You're stressing out. Right? And if you're stressed as you're learning, it's going to impede your learning. It's going to make your learning more difficult. So he's told that do not move your tongue as the Qur'an is being recited. In Surah Taha, Ayah 114, this is also mentioned, وَلَا تَعْجَلْ بِالْقُرْآنِ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يُقْضَى إِلَيْكَ وَحْيُ Wait for the wahi to be complete. Wait for Jibreel to finish reciting, then you recite. What do we learn from this? That when you're learning something, whatever it may be, what is essential is that you give it your full attention. You focus, you give it your attention. If you give it due attention, you will be able to remember it. But if you're distracted, by what? By even the fear that you might forget. And you start 
moving your tongue, you start repeating. Now as you're repeating, you will miss out on the words that are said later. Isn't it? Because either you're saying something or you're listening. You can't multitask here. Correct? So, a very important lesson is taught over here. That when you are listening to the Qur'an in order to learn, then pay attention and do not rush. وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ But the fear of the Prophet ﷺ was also genuine. Right? It happens with us. We hear something once, and then after two minutes even we can't recall it. Isn't it? So this was a genuine fear. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforts the messenger that inna alayna jam'ahu. Indeed, it is our responsibility to collect it. To collect it where? In your heart, in your mind, so that you don't forget any part of it. And it's also our responsibility, wa Qur'anahu, and it's Qur'an. Qur'an, not as in the name, but in the literal sense. It's recitation. It's our responsibility to collect it in your heart, and it's our responsibility to ensure its correct recitation. Meaning, that if you do make a mistake in recitation afterwards, then you will be corrected. You understand? If you do make a mistake in your recitation later, you will be corrected. And really, you can try your best to memorize something, but you can only keep it in your memory if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to you. So here we learn that Allah Himself took the responsibility to preserve the Qur'an in the Prophet's heart also. In Surah Al-A'la, Ayah 6, Allah says, سَنُقْرِئُكَ فَلَا تَنْسَى We will read to you, you will not forget. إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ Except that Allah wills. فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ So when we have recited it. Of course, this is through Jibreel. فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ Then you follow its recitation. Meaning, once Jibreel has completed his recitation, then you follow it with your recitation. Meaning, wait for the teacher to complete, then you repeat. Many times it happens that the teacher is still reciting, and the students, they also start reciting at the same time. No. When the teacher is reciting, listen. When they're done, then you repeat. فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ can also be understood as then follow its recitation as an implemented. So again and again, what is being emphasized here? Do not compromise on the listening. Because listening is the first step of learning. And if you mess up over there, then what's going to happen? Later you won't be able to recall. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَهُ Then it is upon us to make its bayan. What is bayan? Clarification. It's our responsibility to ensure the clarification of the Qur'an. The clarification of the Qur'an, meaning upon your tongue, firstly, so that you recite it correctly. And also, it's clarification, meaning the meaning of it. It's our responsibility to ensure that you understand its meaning. Look at Allah's generosity here. He doesn't just promise the Messenger ﷺ that you will remember the words, but that you will also be taught about its meaning. Trust Allah. He will give you. What do we learn from here? That the Prophet ﷺ was not just given the words of the Qur'an, 
but also the understanding of the Qur'an, the meaning, what it means, how it is to be implemented. In Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 44, Allah says, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ The Prophet ﷺ's job was to clarify the Qur'an to people, to explain it, to show how it is to be implemented. So Allah takes that responsibility that, إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا bayana, We will make it clear to you. And that is what happened. Jibreel would come and also teach the Prophet ﷺ as to how he should implement the Qur'an. Kalla, Allah says, No, bal tuhibboon al-ajilah. The thing is that you love the immediate. You see, qiyamah, such a powerful beginning, right? The day of judgment is being mentioned. And then in the middle, an important lesson is taught. And what is that lesson? Don't rush. Don't rush. With what? With the Qur'an. You see, this is a problem that we all suffer from. We will take our time sipping our tea. But when it comes to prayer, quickly, quickly, quickly. Isn't it? We will take our time reading people's tweets. But when it comes to the Qur'an, quickly do the lesson. Isn't it? How often we do this? that we have time for so many worldly things, but when it comes to doing something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes, we start rushing there. We do. بَلْ تُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِلَ The problem is that you love the immediate. What is this ajila? One that comes quickly but also goes quickly. It's the world. That's what we love. Because the thing is that when you love something, you will give it time. You will necessarily give it time. You will. You'll make time for it. So this is the real issue. بَلْ تُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِلَةِ وَتَذَرُونَ الْآخِرَةِ And you leave the hereafter. Meaning you neglect it. And really so many times when we're making decisions, what do we have before us? What is it that we're thinking about? The immediate. Isn't it? And what is it that we're forgetting? We're ignoring that which will come later, al-akhirah. Right? Like for example, if a person is unwell, serious illness, and then they find, you know, a doctor does the diagnosis, gives a medication, but then you find out that there's an issue with the medication, it's not okay, it's not halal. Many times, what will people do? I'm suffering, I need it, I'll just take it. Well, ask your doctor, is there another option? Ask, research, find out. But what happens over there? We become hasty because we love the ajila. We don't want to suffer for even a moment. So we'll compromise on our akhirah just because we want to enjoy right now. I know of a sister who has serious illness, so much so that the diagnosis has been so difficult, even till now, the doctor doesn't know. You know, they're just trying to figure out by prescribing one medication and then changing it and then changing it. So... Just the other day they called me and she said that there's a particular medication that the doctor has given her and she wants to give her that certain medication because of a reason, but it comes in a capsule. Right? And that capsule, the outer part, is made of gelatin. So she said, I asked the doctor, is there a vegan option? Like any other alternative? She stayed at the pharmacy for so long, they couldn't find it. Right? However, she didn't take the medication right away. She waited. And she 
contacted different people to find out if she could just with dry hands open up the capsule and just get the powder out and consume that. Right? Because the capsule is just a carrier, right? So yeah, one of the shiuch told her that as long as you do it with dry hands to ensure that nothing of it gets on your hand, right? The powder is dry, the capsule is dry, and you know things only transfer when they're wet. This is a very important principle in fiqh when it comes to tahara. Right? That impurity only transfers with moisture. So this is dry, so you can have it. This is not the first time, by the way, she's asked me about some medication. She's asked me many times. And I was thinking, how many people would just say, oh well, just take it, what's the big deal? Well, it's these little, little things that matter, right? They matter. And so often we will make these decisions hastily. Why? Because تُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِلَ وَتَذَرُونَ الْآخِرَةَ Allah says, Do you realize what the day of judgment is? It is the day when some faces will be nadira. They will be radiant. They will be glowing. They will be happy. Fresh. Nadira. Noon badra. Nadra. What does it mean? It's Nadra is basically the beauty of something. Basically when the color of something is just too beautiful. Because the color, with it, its freshness, with it is glow. So this is nadra. So wujuhu yawma'idhin nadira. It is the day when some faces will be radiant, happy, glowing, delighted with goodness. In Surah Abasa, ayah 38, Allah says, wujuhu yawma'idhin musfira, dahikatun mustabshira. Remember that the glow of the face the happiness on the face of a person, it's connected with what? With the state of their heart. Isn't it? If you're happy inside, that happiness will just come out. Which is why real smiles can be distinguished from fake ones. Right? So the happiness of the face that's visible on the face is directly connected with the heart. And the heart is affected by what? What goes in through its windows. What goes in through the eyes and through the ears. So if you see something beautiful and it makes you happy, that happiness will come where? On your face. If you hear something beautiful and it makes you happy in your heart, that joy will come where? On your face. And if you hear something offensive and it hurts your feelings, you can pretend to smile and say, Oh, it's okay. I don't mind. But it shows on your face. So wujuhu yawma idhin nadira. Why? Because of what will go in from their ears and their eyes. What they will see. What they will witness on that day. And what is it that they will witness? Whose presence is it that they will find themselves in? Ila rabbiha nadira. Ila rabbiha. Towards their Lord. Nadira. Looking on. Some faces will be glowing, radiating happiness. Why? Because they will finally see their Lord. They will finally see Allah. They will finally be with Him. إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةً The Prophet ﷺ, he would make dua, وَأَسْأَلُكَ لَذَّةَ النَّظَرِ إِلَىٰ وَجْهِكَ وَالشَّوْقَ إِلَىٰ لِقَائِكَ I ask you for the delight of gazing your face. This is true delight. إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةً 
The Prophet ﷺ said that you will certainly see your Lord. In another hadith we learn that once the companions were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ, it was nighttime, there was a full moon, and he said, do you have any difficulty in seeing the moon? They said, no. He said, you will have no difficulty in seeing your Lord on the Day of Judgment as long as you guard the two prayers. Which two prayers? Fajr and Asr. إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةً And other faces, يَوْمَئِذٍ That day, they will be بَاسِرَةً Contorted. بَسَر Remember? ثُمَّ عَبَسَ وَبَسَرَةً عَبَسَ is a frown that's on the forehead and بَسَرَةً is basically a scowling face. When it's not just that the forehead is frowning, the whole face is contorted. This is بَاسِرَةً وَوُجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ بَاسِرَةً Some people, they'll be so worried, so horrified, so afraid, that their whole faces will be wrinkled up. In Surah Abasa, Ayah 40, Allah says, وَوُجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَلَيْهَا غَبَرَةً تَرْهَقُهَا قَتَرَةً Why? Because of the severity and the intensity of that day. As Allah says, فَكَيْفَ تَتَّقُونَ إِنْ كَفَرْتُمْ يَوْمًا يَجْعَلُ الْوِلْدَانَ شِيبًا تَغُنُّ They will think, they will expect أَنْ يُفْعَلَ بِهَا Why will these faces be so worried? Because they will know that something will be done with them. And what is it that will be done with them? فَاقِرَةً A back-breaking calamity. فَاقِرَةً فَاقَافْرَةً Fiqar is used for the spine. Fiqar is the spine, the backbone. So faqirah is that which crushes the spine. That which breaks the spine. تَغُنُّ أَنْ يُفْعَلَ بِهَا فَاقِرَةً They will be certain that they are going to be destroyed. That they are going to be punished. That they will be screened from their Lord. كَلَّا إِنَّهُمْ عَنْ رَبِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ They will not be allowed to even see Allah. They will request the angel that you intercede for us. But no. إِنَّهُمْ عَنْ رَبِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ كَلَّا But look at these people. They dare to deny. Well, how much can you deny? What all can you deny? Have you thought about this? That إِذَا بَلَغَتْ When it has reached Meaning the soul has reached التَّرَاقِي The collarbones تَرَاقِي is the plural of the word تَرْقُوَة And تَرْقُوَة is used for the collarbone Basically the bone that is right under the neck You see it sometimes sticking out also One is on the right of a person The other on the left This is التَّرَاقِي إِذَا بَلَغَتِ التَّرَاقِي Meaning, when the soul has reached the collarbone. This is at the time of death. That as a person is dying, and the limbs become lifeless, they become cold and hard, they no longer move, they become stiff, but a person is still kind of breathing, and that breath is stuck in his neck. In his upper chest. إِذَا بَلَغَتِ التَّرَاقِي So just a few more breaths maybe, and the soul is out. Then a person is dead. وَقِيلَ But it is said at that time, مَنْ رَاقِ Who is 
the doctor. Where is the doctor? Who will cure him? Raqin is used for a person who does ruqya. What is ruqya? To read something and blow on a person. Why? In order to cure them. So raqin is also used for a doctor. So at a time when a person is taking his last few breaths, others around him, what do they say? Man raq. Who's going to save him? Do something to save him. They're desperate to save him. But if Allah does not will, then can he survive? Is there anyone who can revive him, cure him? No. Wawanna and the person who is struggling to breathe, whose entire body has become cold and stiff, and now there's just a few breaths left, he knows annahul firaq. That certainly it is the time of separation. Firaq. So the dying person knows that it is the time for firaq, faraqaf, the time for parting, leaving this world, leaving his family and his children and his property. وَالْتَفَّتِ السَّاقُ بِالسَّاقِ And this is the time when iltafat, it gets tangled with, or it gets twisted with, intertwined with. Joined with what asaku the leg, with what bisak with the other leg. What does this mean? That now one leg is attached to the other leg. There's no more life left in the legs. The same legs that he had control over now he cannot move them. Now they're finished. Now. He cannot run away. وَالْتَفَّتِ السَّاقُ بِالسَّاقِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَئِذِنِ الْمَسَاقِ You may have seen that when people die, what happens is that the moment of death, it's like as if their body is jerked, like it's shaken. And you may have seen how, you know, the leg, literally it kind of jumps up and falls down. One leg. وَالْتَفَّتِ السَّاقُ بِالسَّاقِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَئِذٍ الْمَسَاقِ To your Lord that day will be the procession. Masaq. سِينْ يَاقَافِ Siyaqa is to drive. And masaq is the being driven away. So on that day is the time of procession. Being taken to who? To Allah, your Lord. Now a person cannot use his legs and run away. It is said, الْمَوْتُ كَأْسٌ Death is like a cup. وَكُلُّ النَّاسِ شَارِبُهُ And all people will drink from it. There is not a person who will be spared of death. وَالْقَبْرُ بَاب And the grave is a door. وَكُلُّ النَّاسِ دَاخِلُهُ And all people are going to enter through that door. Death is certain. فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى But oh no! What if a person is such at the time of his death that he neither believed nor did he pray? فَلَا صَدَّقَ But he did not صَدَّقَ Meaning he did not do tasdiq. He did not believe. He did not accept. وَلَا صَلَّى Nor did he pray. وَلَكِنْ كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى But instead in his life he denied and he turned away. When he was told... When he was warned, he rejected, he refused, and turned away, fulfilling his wishes. 
And then he went to his family. How? Yatamatta. Swaggering. Meem ta'ya. It is to walk in the matli. Matu is to walk fast. And matiya is used for when a person is riding a camel. And this word is used for when a person walks arrogantly. Have you ever sat on a camel? When you sit on a camel, the camel is walking, your body is basically shaken. You feel the right step and the left one, and the right and the left. Your whole body is shaken. This is yatamatta, that when a person walks in such a way that you feel, you see, taking one step, and then another step, and then another step, gangster walk. Yatamatta. He walked so arrogantly in self-admiration and self-conceit even though he was rejecting the truth. Awla laka fa'awla. If a person dies in this way, neither having believed nor having prayed, Allah says, Awla laka fa'awla. Woe to you and woe. Awla, a big wail. What does wail mean? Destruction. A big woe to you. Fa'awla, it's not enough. More woe to you. Summa awla laka. Even that's not enough. More woe to you. Fa'awla and more woe to you. Endless destruction. What were you thinking? Ayahsabul insanu. Allah asks, does man think ayutraka suda? That he will be left neglected? Suda? Sindaya? When something is without any purpose? The word is also used for camels that are randomly walking here and there. Because it's not being made to work for a certain Cause, so it's just random. Going here, going there, trespassing. And you talk asuda, this is what man thinks. Does he think that he will not be held accountable? That he has no responsibilities? He has no obligations? He will not be questioned? That he has just been left in this garden of pleasures to do as he pleases? No. This is not true. What's the proof? Alam yakun nutfatan. Where did he come from? Was he not once a nutfa, a sperm drop? Mimmaniyin yumna. A sperm drop from money that is yumna, that is emitted. Meem nunya. Literally is to shed. Wasn't he once upon a time just a sperm? A drop that is emitted, deposited in the womb. Thumma kana alaqatan. And then he became an alaqa. After the nutfa, a clinging clot. فَخَلَقَ فَسَوَّى Then Allah created him and فَسَوَّى He proportioned him فَجَعَلَ مِنْهُ And then he made from him meaning some people he made meaning mankind he has made as الزوجين as two mates which ones? الذَّكَى the male والأُنثَى and the female meaning some he makes as male and others he makes as female أَلَيْسَ ذَلِكَ Is that one not بِقَادِرٍ Definitely capable عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُحْيِيَ الْمَوْتَى To give life to the dead ones. The one who created an entire human being. From what? Where did the journey begin? From the stage of a nutfa. One sperm cell. How tiny. Who made it? Who made it grow? The one who created you can recreate you when you're dead. So you have not been created in vain. You will be resurrected. You will be held accountable. Whether you believe or you do not. So the intelligent one is he who accepts this reality and prepares for it. Because death is certain.
sooner or later this time will come upon you and I when we will be taking our last final breaths when no doctor can help no one can do anything to save us we will be taken to our Lord masaq we will be taken that journey is inevitable prepare for it recitation لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به إن علينا جمعه وقرآنه فإذا قرأناه فاتبع قرآنه ثم إن علينا بيانه كلا بل تحبون العاجلة وتذرون الآخرة وجوه يومئذ ناظرة إلى ربها ناظرة ووجوه يومئذ باسرة تظن أن يفعل بها فاقرة كلا إذا بلغت التراقي وقيل من راق وَظَنَّ أَنَّهُ الْفِرَاقُ وَالْتَفَّتِ السَّاقُ بِالسَّاقُ إِلَى رَبِّكَ يَوْمَئِذٍ الْمَسَاقُ فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى وَلَكِنْ كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى ثم ذهب إلى أهله يتمطى أولى لك فأولى ثم أولى لك فأولى أيحسب الإنسان أن يترك سدى ألم يكن طفة من مني يمنى ثم كان علقة فخلق فسوى فجعل منه الزوجين الذكر والأنثى أليس ذلك بقادر على أن يحيي الموتى سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته